Hi, Matt here. Before we get started, I know Think Fast, Talk Smart listeners love to learn and hone their communication and leadership skills. Here's a fantastic opportunity for you. Stanford Graduate School of Business offers over 50 executive education programs in person and online, designed for leaders of all experience levels and career interests. Unlock your leadership potential and go to grow.stanford.edu slash learn to find the program for you. We are constantly being bombarded with information, what to do, what to think, what to value. Before we can make effective decisions in our work life, in our personal life, in our work relationships, in our personal relationships, we have to take the time to think about what is it that we truly value? What is it that we prioritize? Today, we'll look at how best to do this. My name is Matt Abrahams, and I teach strategic communication at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Welcome to Think Fast, Talk Smart, the podcast. Today, I am happy to be joined by Charlotte Burgess Auburn. Charlotte teaches classes at Stanford's Hasso Plattner Institute of Design, also known as the D School, where she serves as the Director of Community. Charlotte recently published a D School guide called You Need a Manifesto, How to Craft Your Convictions and Put Them to Work. It's super exciting to have you here today, Charlotte. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Let's get started. Before we dive into crafting creeds and making manifestos, I was struck by a line in your bio that said, you see yourself as an extroverted introvert. I believe a lot of our listeners see themselves the same way. I'd love to have you elaborate on what being an extroverted introvert means for you and how it shows up in your work and personal life. I think of myself as an introvert because I I really identify with the definition of an introvert as somebody who really needs to go be by themselves in order to recharge, right? So that in the presence of people, they're sort of using energy, but in order to regain energy, they need to go away from people and be quiet. And that describes me to a T. But when I am with people, I'm very energetic and outgoing. I'm excited to be with them. I just can't do it for a very, very long period of time without exhausting myself. (laughs) I cherish my time alone to reflect and recharge, as well as loving, you know, to be the center of a party. (laughs) Right. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I sit on the high extreme of extroversion. So to, to hear that sounds a little foreign to me, but I can absolutely see how many people like yourself and our listeners might feel that way. Let's get into manifestos. What are they? Who are they for? And and how do they help us in different areas of our lives? So a manifesto is a statement of purpose and a script for action. My take on a manifesto is kind of a more modern and personal one. I think that rather than recruiting others, what we really need to do these days is to recruit ourselves. We are currently in the middle of a maelstrom of being recruited by everyone at every moment. I mean, anybody with a telephone in their pocket is constantly being recruited. Their attention is being being drawn. And I think we need to spend some time to recruit ourselves to our own cause. And a personal manifesto is a, a compass, a navigation tool to help you find your way through what at the moment feels like a, a pretty hazardous navigation <laughs> scheme. Um, 
through life. I think it's so powerful to allow ourselves time to just think about what's important to us and and to give ourselves some direction, be it if we're starting out in our careers or perhaps pivoting or making choices. So I like this idea of recruiting yourself. Yeah. I mean, if you're not living life according to your own values, you're, you're, you're most likely living them according to someone else's. So really giving yourself the time to explore that, I think is pretty critical. I'd like to talk more about values. In your book, you talk about how values serve as the essential first ingredients for our manifestos. How can we identify and prioritize our values? So values are really... um, I I had a hard time with this at first. I really thought like, how do I figure out what it is that I value? You know, it feels intimidating somehow that you need to get, get to some deep, standard of your of being. The more I read about it, the more I understood that values are literally that. They are what you value in your life. And some of them can be deeply held and really immovable for you. And then others are kind of like, what do you value today? <laughs> right? Like I value my latte today. <laughs> but getting to your values, right, is a is a process. It is not something that like, it doesn't like come to you out of the blue. You're not awakened to it in some amazing way. And it can be really easy. I do a, a little exercise with, with students that I, I put into the book, which is I ask people to think about things that they love doing, to create a little thought experiment, that where they write down some really nicely like flowery language, detailed flowery language about something that they love to do. And then to pick apart that language to find the types of activities that they get excited about and why they get excited about them. So I have them use a special format, which is like, I love to do this because of this. And anything that comes after the word because has a verb in it. And if you go looking for that verb, that verb is going to suggest something about what it is that you value. So it's really just about digging in your own understanding, making it easy for yourself to identify things, which then you can spend time with, right? You can identify these first versions of it using these kinds of exercises. And then you can interrogate that. You can say, do I really value that? Why do I value that? Yeah. So what I I hear you say several things there. One is, we don't have to put these values on this pedestal that they can be they can be minor they can yeah. be major and that there's some pretty simple ways that we can go to identify our values i enjoy doing this because is a simple right. way and then we can look in interrogate and prioritize and and look at which are more or less important which sounds much easier than when <laughs> i first read your book and thought oh my goodness i have to think about what are my core values Once you have these values identified, how do we go about creating our manifesto? Can you walk us through your 5C process that you talk about? Yeah, these are the elements that you need to be investigating and exploring. You need to commence. You need to begin. So you need to be willing to begin. You need to do something, some some work to consider the place you find yourself in, your context, your, your bias, your, your goals, and your values. And you just spend a little time working on those things to, to understand them and to describe them. So the, the core, what I ask people to do to create a first manifesto is to find sources of inspiration that they can use as raw material to create their own manifesto out of. So go find someone else's manifesto, pull it apart and put it back together as your own as a way to 
to begin, right? It is not the last manifesto that you should make. It is the first one you should make because it's the easiest one to do, right? And as soon as you get the first one done, you're on the road to really developing a sense of how you want to use that to navigational tool. And it... It sounds to me like your process is really about two things, giving yourself permission to start and to recognize that a manifesto is a living document. It changes, it evolves. And it strikes me that, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's less about the product, the manifesto itself, but it's much more about the process that's important. Do I have that right? Yeah. I mean, I think it is much more about the process. And yet the product is the thing that then allows you to engage into the process, right? If you keep your values and your beliefs inside and in your head and don't get them out of your head and out onto paper, you can't really have a great conversation with them. I think being able to manifest things outside of yourself allows you to to see them from a slightly different perspective and, and to engage with them in ways that are very intentional and deliberate. And that's all you really need to be able to do is to engage with your values and beliefs in intentional and deliberate ways that then allow you to create shortcuts for yourself so that when you are confronted with a moment of difficulty or a place where you need to make a decision that might be difficult, you have something to lean on. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of parallels between this preparation of a manifesto that you're talking about to things that we've talked a lot about before on this podcast in terms of communication, to mm-hmm. preparing yourself. If you're preparing a presentation or for a Q&A session, you would spend some time thinking about what are the important things I want to cover and how do I want to structure it and where are my values around these certain issues. And it sounds like a manifesto essentially does that not for a presentation, but for our lives and helps give us something to refer to. I find that very intriguing. It allows us to use some skills that we use for other circumstances and apply them to ourselves. Do you have specific advice for people on how to actually share their manifestos to communicate it is it is it let me share my manifesto or these these three ideas or is yeah. it is it developing stories that you tell over and over again that reflect what's important to you how do you best communicate your manifesto one of the things that i talk about in the book is that you know form and style matter right the the old marshall McLuhan quote the medium is the message is very much at play here it really does matter the way that you decide to present it and the both the, the format that you use and the form that it takes. Um, but it, people should choose a f- format and a form that speaks to them where, they're, where they need to, to see it. In the manifesto project that I run, the easiest method to create a first manifesto is to collage, right? And so that's what I have people do. I have them use scissors and glue sticks and I have manifestos printed out and they cut out the pieces that they want and they collage it all together in ways are interesting to them as a first draft, right? This is their very first draft. And then the next thing I ask them to do is to really think about where do you want this to show up in your life? What are the moments that are sticky for you? Like where where are the moments where you either take time to reflect or where you most need something to be staring you in the face to talk to you about your values? It's like, is it your your phone background? Is it your Zoom background? (laughs) Do you want it to be a communication tool to help introduce yourself to other people so that you can begin your relationships with other people 
in a very transparent and authentic way. Like that may be the Zoom background version, which is like, ask me about my manifesto, right? <laughs> you know, And some people may be like, I don't really want to talk to people about my manifesto, but I need to have it when I'm in conflict with myself or in conflict with others, or I'm, I'm feeling at a crossroads in some way. And maybe that's something that it's in a little... I had a, a former um, boss of mine who had a who had it in a on a card, a laminated card in his wallet, had just had like one sentence <laughs> that was his kind of thing. And whenever he needed it, he would just like pull it out of his wallet. I always love talking to people from the D school because it's all about glue sticks and post-it notes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and I, I, I think that's fun. And I yeah. think it's, it, it points to that there can be a, a a very tactile and playful nature to some very serious yeah. concerns. Yeah, plays. You know, play is critical, I think, in this case as well. The thing that I think it really does for me and for the students that I'm working with here is that it really eliminates that intimidation factor because when you're playing, the result is something that might be marvelous, but it doesn't count in some way. It doesn't count against you. And I think that piece is like terrific. It's like everyone wins. (laughs) So we, we started talking about how you make it approachable by, by devaluing, if you'll allow me, the, the importance of values, yeah. right? So it's more approachable, but also in the way you actually physically construct it is also playful. And, and both of those make it more approachable. What I'm taking away from your comments about communication are each of us will create our own need and ways of communicating our manifesto. There's no one right way. Mm -hmm. Some of us will want to broadcast it and others of us might want to keep it very private and personal. But part of it strikes me, I think, of creating a manifesto is to think about how do I want to share it beyond myself? And and I I think that in and of itself is a valuable uh, thought process. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Before we end, I'd like to ask you the same three questions I ask everyone who joins me. Are you up for that? I am, absolutely. All right. (laughs) If you were to capture the best communication advice you have ever received in a five to seven word presentation slide title, what would it be? Mm, Okay, so mine is, um, it's not about you which is advice that I got from the wonderful Julian Grodsky, who was a psychologist who worked with us in the early days of the D school and really helped me to understand that when I am communicating with other human beings, which is pretty much what I do, (laughs) right? Most of the time, when they're talking to me about things that may sound like they're about me or about my work or about my project or about the D school, what they're really talking about is what matters to them, right? When I'm listening to people, I need to be listening for not what's wrong with me or what's right with me, but what's with them, right? Where are the, these people coming from? And the, the ways in which I can communicate with them best will respond to the things that they care about. So it's really reminding yourself to be focused on the audience, the other person, and to, to take that perspective. It's about empathy, and we've talked a lot about that on this podcast. Let me ask you a question too. Who is a communicator that you admire and why? One of the people that I most, whose, whose communication skill I admire so much is Sarah Stein Greenberg, who is the executive director of the D School. 
And she is one of those people who can choose their words incredibly beautifully. Just feel like when she talks about stuff, I, I just, I'm like, wow, that is amazing. And I think the reason why I admire it so much is because it's so different from my own communication style, which is much more gut, <laughs> you know, uh, laying it all out there. And and also like terribly circuitous, right? And so communicators like that, who are these incredibly cogent and clear, setting up your, your arguments and knocking them down are the folks who I really admire mostly because they're different from myself. <laughs> I've gotten to know Sarah over, over the last year or so, and she was a guest on this show uh-huh. and her book is fantastic, oh, fantastic. Uh, as well. And I agree, she is very articulate and she's very good at connecting with people mm-hmm. she speaks to. And, and those are skills that I hear you admiring in others as well, as, as do I. Our final question, question three. What are the first three ingredients that go into a successful communication recipe from your perspective? Mm. I, I thought about these for a minute and here they are. Humanity, humility, and hustle. <laughs> Those listening in know I love things that come in three and I love alliteration. So walk us through the three H's. Give us a little more detail. Yeah, I mean, I think humanity is definitely very easy to see that communication methods that don't include humanity are, are a failure from the very beginning. It's just important to, no matter how who or what you're trying to communicate, that you take into account the humanity of your audience and of yourself. And I think the more that we do that, the better we are at, at connecting across gulfs, <laughs> right? And humility is a similar kind of thing. It's just to not assume that you have all the answers or even that everyone else has all the answers, right? To, to really be able to be open to change and to be open to, to being taught, to learning in, over time and to be okay with not being perfect, right? Like, um, I, I just, I feel like one of the, another piece of good communication advice <laughs> that I was given by Julian was, to stop repairing the things I'm trying to say while I'm trying to listen to other people. And that's just, that's humility, is to put yourself in a posture of learning and a posture of listening. And I think that one's key. And hustle is just like, try to get out there in time. Don't, don't sit on things. Don't wait to, to communicate with people. Don't wait for them to communicate with you. Reach out and, and get out there and do it. It always gets better if you if you do something, right? Like, Yeah, I really, really like the humanity, the humility and the hustle. To me, it's about be empathetic. That's, that's all about humanity. Mm-hmm. It's about being open. Uh, and that's what humility is about. And then it's, it's about taking initiative. And I clearly see those as incredibly important ingredients. Thank you so much, Charlotte. You've helped us understand the importance of a manifesto and finding our values and thinking about communicating it. And I wish you the best of luck on your book, You Need a Manifesto. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have been here. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Think Fast, Talk Smart, the podcast from Stanford Graduate School of Business. This episode was produced by Jenny Luna, Ryan Campos, and me, Matt Abrahams. Our music was provided by Floyd Wonder. For more information and episodes, Find us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and please make sure to subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn.
Jenny here. I'm the executive producer of the show. I know Think Fast Talk Smart listeners love to learn and hone their communication and leadership skills. Here's a fantastic opportunity for you. Stanford Graduate School of Business offers more than 50 executive education programs, in-person and online, designed for leaders of all experience levels and career interests. Unlock your leadership potential and go to grow.stanford.edu slash execed to find the program for you.